three higher ed authors, 100 plus college and university presidents, dozens of actionable insights for academic leaders. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education is now available on Amazon. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Edup Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio here again on the second recording of 2023. Actually, third, if you count my interview of chat GPT, but I'm not sure if that does count. Um, it was very interesting to put together. Uh, more interesting, my guest today, because she's like one of the best people I've ever met um period and and i love her and she's the best and i'll just keep saying that over and over but of course i would uh, encourage everybody to pick up commencement the beginning of a new era in higher education the book that kate colbert and i just put out in thanks over thanksgiving of 2022 as we record this episode we're basically just a day over six weeks old we've had tremendous uh, feedback and um, support from the community I want to say thank you again. I can't say it enough. I probably will say it every episode for the year here because uh, how much I um, appreciate all of you that support the podcast. And it's just overwhelming sometimes to see everybody kind of come back and go, oh, you know, we support you guys. It's it's uh, humbling uh, to say the least. Um, this episode's important because, um, you know, the EdUp community is, um, is all about supporting uh, people and um, them being part of the EdUp journey and then us always checking in, right? Because we want to check in on people, find out what they're doing. So we call this an EdUp catch-up episode. Um, and it's with somebody that you know very well. In fact, uh, you may know her. Um, she is one of the very few, and I say very few because there are very few people that have their own sound. I don't know if it's trademarked, if I have to trademark it or if she trademarks it, but here she is. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my Spanish is really terrible, but she goes by La Reina del Airhorn. Ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Michelle Cantu-Wilson, she's creative director at Marquee Consulting. Michelle, Hello. what's up? Hello, Joe. Hello, everyone. I seem to always start with laughter whenever I'm on your show. Well, that, <laughs> that's a good thing. We warm you. We like to get you warmed up. Um, so th that that's my Michelle button. Um, it is. And I, I have a button. I feel like that is my claim to fame. If I'm going to take a picture of it because I have actually labeled it Michelle. So you'll see when I'll take a picture of it. I'll post it on LinkedIn. And it'll say like, you know, all my different sounds. And then there's a Michelle button. And I just go. And every now and then I just hit it to remind myself that you're coming back. Welcome back as a guest, not a guest co-host this time. You're a guest. So you're playing um, playing the original role that you came on Ed Up for as a guest the first time that we talked and then you started co-hosting. But you've had some career change going on. And so we want to catch up with you and find out what's going on. So tell us what's up. Um, well, I left higher ed proper and moved higher ed adjacent, I guess, and moved into mm. leadership consulting. Um, it was a unique opportunity, you know, one of those things that you're looking for, for your family, you know, you're looking for, for your work-life balance. Um, and it just, it worked out perfectly um, to be able to stay in the game, you know, teaching mm. higher ed is my passion and I'm able to, you know, retain that world and stay connected to my people and focus on something that I'm really interested in, which is leadership. All right. So Marquee Consulting. Tell us uh, what you know, what, what is Marquee Consulting? How does it work? What do you do as creative director? Kind of give us the once over. 
So Marquee Consulting is unique in that it has two sides to it. There is Marquee Coaching and uh, Retreats, uh, which is my boss's area. And then there is LuxLead. LuxLead Institute is my area. And I'm developing a leadership institute where folks that are interested in taking it to the next level in leadership but don't have the time to go back to get an additional degree can come to us for Michael Credentials on really timely topics, you know, not the stuff that you might see in a 16-week course, but something that you need in the moment, like time management for higher ed specifically, or, you know, the reset, hitting, hitting the reset button when a semester goes off track, um, motivating your staff whenever you're understaffed, you know, really specific topics um, related to higher ed. LuxLead also will have an online course um, that is going mm -hmm. to be uh, launched globally that will allow people from all over the world to uh, get a micro-credential in leadership or any particular topic. Um, and then eventually we're going to focus on executive leadership, kind of doing a 360. I don't think, Joe, and you're, I know you're going to agree with me, I don't think our executive leaders get a fair shake at mm. development. You know, they don't get fair feedback. They don't get upward feedback because a lot of times people are worried about, you know, saying the wrong thing or coming across the wrong way or retaliation in bad situations. It's true. And so I have met amazing executive leaders in my career. And a lot of them I've listened to on this podcast, you know, I want to be able to, we want to be able to support them by affirming those positive leadership traits. You know, so I might come in and shadow you for a day. And mm -hmm. then let's talk about your communication style. What's working? You know, what about your team building style? What does that look like? I think we all need to hear what we're doing well. I don't think we do that enough in higher ed. And I want to give executive leaders that fair 360 assessment, you know, discreetly. Um, we're not going to announce everything to everyone. Um but yeah, that's something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And Marquis said, go do it. Let's see how it turns out. So I like your style, dude. We uh, <laughs> new, but new stuff. I got new stuff. Um, I do like that because we're talking, um, we're talking, you know, it's funny. I was talking to um, a gentleman yesterday, president, um, and we were talking about transparency and we we're talking about social media you know there's there's looks on us as executive leaders everybody's looking at us and you're right um it's it's like what you say and do in the court of leadership will can and will be used against you it's like the leadership miranda rights yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's typically not it's typically not hey we're going to celebrate all the great things that you do it's somebody's watching for the time you don't show up and you know you had to go pick up your kids at school so you didn't come to some event and somebody goes oh god michelle's not involved mm -hmm. joe's not involved you know so there's always somebody kind of behind you that's willing to kind of bring you down yeah. um so leadership's a tough game and it's really important i think and i know you'll agree with me to have an outside perspective mm -hmm. on leadership. And higher ed is very specific for leadership because there's a stakeholder called a student that gets a consequence. Yes. Always the consequences on the student, positive or negative. So you have to have somebody that understands the landscape yeah. of higher education. But having a, a clean set of eyes, I think is really important because it's it's like passing the coffee stain every day and you never, never wipe it up because mm -hmm. you just see it all the time. So that outside perspective is important. Yeah, absolutely. You made me think like 7,000 things while you were talking, which is why That's I what love I do. You. <laughs> I am the smartest man alive. I love it. Joe. Yeah. 
Just, I'm pulling out all the stops for you today. You, all right, let's do it. Let, let's play with it. Um, you made me think about, you know, this one phrase, you know, think about your, your executive leader in higher ed. I serve at the pleasure of the board, mm. right? That is a lot of pressure. There is yep. a lot of pressure. And when you serve at the pleasure of the board, you have to have a home team that is going to ensure that you are developing as a leader and not out of fear of losing your job, you know, but pride over the things that you do well. You know, we kind of have to shift that narrative of pressure into pride. And so I think I think that that's an important thing to do in higher ed. Leading from the outside in is also a very special place to be. And I, I love the organizations that are higher ed adjacent that do that. Mm -hmm. You know, they agitate productively from the outside. I think that's important. And, and what I like about a lot of organizations like that and like us is we've been inside, Yeah. right? I'm retaining my adjunct status. I will always teach, right? So I will stay inside. Um, but I think it's, it's important that, like you said, it's a unique industry and we have our very specific needs and our main stakeholder is a student. And so leadership impacts, whether you see them or not in real time, they have a gathering momentum kind of effect. So what is the cost of a bad leader, Joe? Oh, tremendous. You know, a cost of a bad leader is all the people that quit and all the hiring dollars you have to put back in and the priceless dollars of culture dis destruction that can never, you can't even put a price on it. Culture destruction. I love it. You know, and, and I'm, I'm talking, you know, all of it. And so numbers, let's say you got a dean makes $120,000 a year yeah. and they're not producing and they're not doing their work. Now add benefits to that, mm. right? Now you're paying what, $150 for someone to not do their job, right? Yeah. And if we are in a situation in higher ed where we are understaffed and we have applicants who are ghosting us at interviews, right? And quitting on the first day, we know this is happening. It then, is then how is the focus going to be shifted naturally towards developing better leaders when you're in survival mode? You need someone, you need folks to come in from the outside and do that kind of work that you can't do in the moment, but we can build capacity to develop that leadership pipeline. And I'll say it, um, we got to wait, usher wait. before you say it. Okay. You go. can't handle the truth. I just, <laughs> all right, go ahead. I love it. I love it. We got to usher people out of the profession if they're hurting students and yes. they're hurting the culture. I remember when I started my doctorate, Dr. Matthews at the University of Houston Clear Lake, she said, first class, first day, what do you think you want to study? We're going to start writing in this class this semester. It's a very advanced program. And I said, I think I want to study leadership in higher ed. She said, do you want to have a job when you're done? Ooh. I mean, she Ooh. meant that like, honestly, yeah. and it was a good question. It wasn't just, you know, a slight, it wasn't a jab. It was, do you, do you know what you're getting into? Are you prepared? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's how sensitive this topic is. Yeah. We got to do it. We have a stakeholder, you know, they're paying us to do this work. You know, um, I, I I'll tell you one of the things that, um, I love about your change. First of all, before I ask it, a career change is hard. Mm. We're talking about career changes in higher ed, people coming into higher ed, many people wanting to leave higher ed because they're either fed up with it, a lot are fed up with it, um, but but some love it and want to stay in it like yourself, but have to make a career change for various reasons. 
when you're all you've known is higher ed too, you know, you've been in for, and I, we know people like that, right? They've been in higher ed 20, 30 years. I am one, like I started in higher ed at 23 or I am 20 something. I won't age myself years <laughs> later. Um, and still in it, I don't even know what else I would do. And it's scary. How do you work through that with yourself and your family? Cause I can guarantee you there is somebody on this phone call right now going, how the heck did she do this and make a career change? And with a big smile on her face and you know, there's risk there and there's a little, a little bit of nerves, you know, what does that look like? You know, I appreciate you asking this question because it is something that we don't talk about and there's no reason to not talk about it. It's just like the whole salary thing, you know, don't talk about salary. Let's talk about everything. We are all people trying to do a good job, trying to be the best we can take care of our families and put something good into the world. Right. So yep. let's be honest with each other. So I'll be honest with y'all leaving higher ed proper. I had one scary night where I questioned my decision, but because I had done the work of reaching out to my network, <clears throat> reaching out to my mentors, reaching out to people who have helped me in some way, who know me and my intentions, um, I made an informed decision. I listened to podcasts on what it means to leave higher ed, even though yep. I didn't really fully, right? I reached out to people across my career from public ed, um, you know, all the way to higher ed because I did, you know, 13 years in public ed as well. Um, and it really came down to my husband and my kids listening and being supportive because ultimately I was doing it for them. Mm. You know, this job allows me the flexibility to be more present. Um, and I'm looking for that right now. My kids are 16, 13, and 10. And they need a different kind of mom than they did when things were more automated, right? Um, it's a different world post-pandemic. And they require in their healing of everything that they missed during that time and having to change schools and all kinds of things, um, they require a different kind of parenting. And mm. so I was very intentional about making sure that that was a move that I could make. And my boss is amazing and requires things like, you know, we got to meditate. We got to focus on our mental health. We got to work out. You know, we want longevity. Um, we have to, you know, just get outside and be in nature. He really wants us to be people first so that we can be authentic in our service. That was in alignment with what I wanted to do. But I will call out the people who I went to immediately. It's a group called the Tejanex Compadres. Uh, we say Tejanex as another, you know, a spinoff of Latinx and compadres is like your, you know, your family. <clears throat> and so it's uh, four leaders that I know in higher ed here in Houston area, well, not in Texas. And we just have a group chat. And when I need something and they need something, you know, that's who I go to. And so I went to the council, as I call them. Uh, Brain said, trust. <laughs> what do y'all think? Um, so I did it with advisement. You know, I did it with uh, an informed outlook. Um, I did it bravely because my intentions are good. Um, and I did it without burning any bridges mm. um, because I love the people that I worked with. I will always be here to support them. Um, but staying in that situation in that environment was not allowing me to be the best mom that I could be. And that was, that was my motivation truly. Um, also, I'm a creator. Mm. Like, I'm a creator. And when yes, I, you have are. Job, I have a job description, I love my job. It was, amazing. oh yeah. Yes, there we go. It was a great job. 
but there's so many different things that I want to do. Um, and my boss says, this is yours. Create the Lux Lead Institute. Be who you are. Just make sure that we're impacting people in a positive way. We want to leave a good footprint, right? And so I think at this point, you know, I'm 48, I'm not 25 like you. Oh, yes. 24. I, if I'm going to make a jump, Joe, if I'm going to make a move, you know, it's time to do it. You know, it's mm. time to transition and and see if I can do something uh, that that is that has been developed by me with my intentions and my vision and my enthusiasm, you know. Um, so yeah. long answer, but that's it. You know that the world of higher education is experiencing evolutions and revolutions. You want to be part of the progress. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education with insights from more than 100 college and university presidents will show you how. Get your copy of Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education now on Amazon right away. We think you're going to love it. It's amazing. Well, it's an important answer. Um, Welcome to the real world. I think that's important because, um, you know, we're talking about the real world. The parenting part is a part of this. The work-life balance is a part of this. Higher ed, you know, I, I will say, and you know this, Michelle, a lot of times, you know, even pandemic disruption, we kind of are, um, I don't know, going back to what we knew before. There are a lot of evolutions in um, in the world of work now and how people are experiencing work or having relationships with work and how they're balancing home. Um, higher ed is kind of boxy in that you have to serve students on particular times and timelines and so on. And then we're trying to balance, okay, how do we be real people and serve these students and not just fall back into what we were doing? Getting to my point, mid-level management is an important part of what you're doing and where your focus is because Let's be real here, guys. If you actually look at the spectrum of leadership in higher education, we all know this, and you've talked about this before, a male, white male dominated leadership structure in higher ed exists. Mm -hmm. If you look at the multicultural majority of the student and who needs to serve those students, it means you need more diversity in leadership. Yeah. There are a ton of diverse, amazing leaders in middle management within higher education. When you look at, um, when you look at age as a factor, right? Most presidents, if you look at the presidential average age, it's still in the 60s or 70s. Oops. So getting to the highest level is really hard. Um, I don't know if that's by design or because we don't like to change things, but let's just mm. you know say, but you have a lot of uh, diverse candidates in middle management that are gonna as ascend to those levels, but they do need training because the student's different now. So the leadership structure that exists now to be a president or be a VP of something. And what will be needed in five to 10 years is different. And so how do we train those middle managers to be ready for the, I don't know, the different Gen Z student that's gonna be putting demands on us? Yeah, excellent. I think that's a great observation. They, they are in a position where so much flexibility uh, and adaptability is required of them. And those are actually uh, buzzwords right now. I do a weekly, um, review of leadership articles and leadership research so that we can make sure that we're serving people where they where they are. Um, and so, you know, when you ask the question, how do we do that? We do that in real time. You know, let's let's do a little case here. So let's say you have someone like a um, student services advisor, right? They do advising of students. 
they have a ratio of about 1200 to one. Okay. Somewhere around that range. <clears throat> they do exceptional work. Let's say his name's David. David does exceptional work. Um, we have a, you know, skeleton crew going on. We need someone to fill a position. David is a natural fit. He's going to move up. He's going to be a director of student services. Now he's got a team of 14 advisors underneath him. Right. And they all have that ratio of 1200 to one. David being able to do his work as a student services um, advisor does not immediately transfer to David being able to support 14 student services advisors. There is a gap in learning there um, and the applicability doesn't transfer, right? So the way that he would treat right. his students is not the way he needs to treat grown people in the workplace who have their own lives and their own challenges and their particular development needs. So um, what I think that is what I think is important for those level leaders is that you meet them where they are. And so David might need mm -hmm. some foundational leadership training on communication, professionalism, um, the performative aspect of leadership. You know, we get sick too. We have sick children, our cars break down, you know, um, things happen to us, but we don't get to bring that to the workplace and showcase it if we're leaders, because we need to take care of the people uh, in the workplace that that's happening to who also have a job to do. Um, uh, Self-awareness, you know, perception is reality. The way that you look, the way that you talk, the way you present is all under a microscope. David needs a quick training that is going to get him up to speed on how to be a good leader. And enrolling him in a leadership program would be a great idea, but there may not be time for that. That might be the long-term step. What do you need right now for those mid-managers um, that can support them immediately in the workplace. And that is where this type of training comes in. So as far as Gen Z students go, I think there are a lot of misperceptions about that uh, generation. Um, we have a tendency to want to attribute uh, characteristics to them that are misplaced or misunderstood. Um, mm. So they are, you know, oh, addicted to their phones. Okay, well, let's talk about what they're doing on their phones. Let's let's be more specific about how they use their phones as opposed to just the behavior of having their phones. Um, they are, you know, I've heard, oh, they're lazy. They don't want to work hard. Oh, that's a tough one. You know, I've taught those students. I will continue to teach those students and I'm raising, you know, those people. They want to work smarter, right? So my Ava, my middle child, who's 13, you know, I, I do seven things on my phone and she interrupts me and she's like, mama, just click here from seven steps to one step. You will learn no. by the numbers. I will teach you. <laughs> it, they're frustrated with us making everything so hard. Yeah. They Two clicks. Want, what are you talking about? They want productivity. They want access. They've got information at their fingertips and they want to be recognized for making work easier. And so I like I think, what you said about uh, not just having the phone, but what are they doing on the phone? And if you have kids of that age or any kids around you of that age, they are really learning. You're yeah. using YouTube to learn. You got ChatGPT. They, they're using apps and the phone to complement their learning. They go to school and it's like, oh, how do I do this faster? How do I get this answer? How do I... It's like a collator of learning. They're really using YouTube even. You know, looking up something mm -hmm. on YouTube, it's a, it's a learning... Uh, moment. They're not just messing around all the time. Yeah, they're they're hacking traditional learning models. Ooh, I like that. That's good. We, we cannot blame them or make that into a negative thing when they are the future leaders. 
you know, uh, hacking the system has to be seen productively so that we can fully appreciate what these young people or what these people bring to the workplace. Um, well, so the this, workplace is not just young people though, no. right? It's inter intergenerational at this point. And that's causing, isn't that causing a lot of like consternation amongst the leadership? So I do think that I love that word consternation because it's so old school. And I think the old school versus the new school is the ultimate competition in the workplace right now. Um, you know, there is a, a term that my friend Carmen at AQ and I came up with yesterday in a conversation about, you know, incidentally, the future of higher ed. And it was, um, you know, struggle glory. Amazing. Love it. Thank you. The, it's the idea that, you know, there's glory in the struggle and that the only way that you can advance in leadership, the only way you can advance in the workplace is if you fail multiple times over and over, you know, you got to get those experiences in so that you can be successful. You know, this generation, Gen Z is teaching us that you can be successful on the first try because you have learned very quickly. You have adapted easily because the world makes sense in your brain, because you have access to all information. Uh, so there are no barriers. So that struggle glory that we're going to trademark uh, as a phrase, um, that struggle glory doesn't resonate with them. You know, that doesn't motivate them. What motivates them is working smarter, having more time to live and appreciate life. And also um, this, you know, um, intergenerational appreciation as opposed to conflict. Uh, Gen Z uh, really appreciates face-to-face uh, -face communication, uh, unity. They appreciate social justice efforts. They mm -hmm. like equality. They like equity. And so any, any type of divide that we're trying to create in the workplace is not going to work out the way that we think it might if we're trying to uh, advance leadership in the direction that it needs to be to serve these young people in their development. So good. I think you're so right. And it comes back to why having a fresh set of eyes, looking at a consultant to help leadership is so important. One of the things that you said earlier in the episode was agitate productively. Mm -hmm. And I went, ooh, that's really good too. Your trademark machine over here. Um, <laughs> agitate productively is, um, right, we have to be challenged. And sometimes it takes somebody outside to challenges. I, I will tell you, dead honest with you, I have somebody from the outside, a consultant that has, I don't know how many years of experience in online higher education that I have over here, not affiliated with the university that says, hey, Joe, you're on track or hey, Joe, you're not on track or mm. why don't you try this or work that because I need that. I, yeah. I got to have it because nobody's going to give it to me internally the way I need to hear it, like unfiltered sometimes, you know what I mean? And yeah, I know absolutely. you, Michelle, you, you, you will tell it like it is too. And it, sometimes it's what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. Yeah. And I think we can do that. Direct communication is the fastest way to a solution. Uh, I appreciate that we are polite and higher ed. I appreciate that there is a bureaucratic system that has existed for generations, but it's not serving us right now. People are exhausted and they need to be motivated by a different kind of leader. And if we don't accept that, we're going to continue to see decreased motivation, attrition, uh, HR issues. Um, we're, we got to work on the culture and culture starts with leaders. Truth. Um, so what's this thing about a podcast that you're doing? What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, so podcast is uh, the, it's kind of the low hanging fruit because you know you've taught me so much as as mm. the, the podcast leader in the nation, um, but it is called Lead Well with Dr. Michelle, and it is just a 
a short um, check-in for leaders who need real-time motivation and information on what's going on in leadership, right? So it might be, you know, what are the what are the three best things that leaders do? Uh, it might be, what is your leadership horror story? Uh, it might be, your what is your why? But there'll be short check-ins, you know, 15 minutes, uh, 20 minutes where leaders can can get connected and get some motivation. One of my favorite things to do is just pour into people and make them believe, you know, in, in themselves. And that self-actualization process only happens when someone is motivating from the outside, right? Someone has to believe in you first. And so uh, I want to be that person for leaders. Um, and it's going to be kind of a survey. Like I told you, I do this scan of what's happening in leadership on the, the, the beginning of the week. Uh, I want to make sure that we're staying up to date with what the world is saying to us about leadership. So mental health in the workplace, that's a big deal, Joe. Yeah, big time. How do we do that? How do we act that out in the workplace as leaders? Um, do we address it at all? Are we giving people days to just no email days so they can work? right? Are we protecting their time instead of filling them with meetings that we don't need to have? Um, retraining or retain, uh, retaining talented people. That's something that's in, in the news right now. Um, our people are jumping around looking for better opportunities. Why would they stay at your organization? You know, what it's are you doing to book, actively? Well, protect? you know, in the book, we surveyed, uh, I don't know how many higher ed leaders, like 250, and it came back to where a quarter, a quarter we're saying that they're kind of unhappy with their situation and you start looking around around you and how does that affect the student in the end? If you have somebody that's not completely loving what they do, mm -hmm. we're in a tough business for you to kind of half, half ass mm -hmm. it. I don't know if saying that uh, makes me in the profanity section of the podcasting <laughs> world, but you, you get the got, point. You got bleeped. Hey, I, you know, I have an example for that. My friend Liz, um, uh, at my old workplace, I remember one day she was, she was, you know, having, as we all do a bad day, you know, different family issues or whatever was happening. It was kind of an external issue. I remember it wasn't related to the workplace. And so we were standing in the middle of the hallway and I'm just trying to build her back up and I'm listening because she's my friend and I care about her. Um, which is a good sign of being happy in the workplace is when you yeah. have good friends there. Um, but I remember a student walked up in the middle of her kind of having this mini meltdown, right? She turned around, looked right at that student. Yeah, how can I help you? What do you need? I'll walk you over there. You know what? I'm going that way anyway. Let me walk you over there. And as she's walking away, immediately she jumps into what's going on? How are you? You know, we're so happy to hear you today. Like she turned on that performative aspect of leadership to be a servant leader to a student in need but Liz still needed that support in the workplace of having the space to bring her life and her reality there and know that she's going to be recognized, supported, you know, and grown uh, as a leader um, so that she can turn around and be that person to other people. Um, I think there is this misperception that work is just work and your colleagues are just your colleagues. Like, how is that motivating? Yeah, if you boring, tell me, right? come in, work eight to five, pick up your paycheck and leave. Like, yeah, it has to be fun. And we, you know, we change, we change the lives of, of people every single day in higher ed. If that's not fun to you, if it's not fun to see the, the consequence of that hard work, then you're in the wrong business, right? It's it, that's what it's all about in the end is, is having that moment of fulfillment to say, mm -hmm. Oh, I did good today. Mm -hmm. Helped somebody. 
Yeah. Um, and if, if that leader, if Liz as that leader uh, had not been able to turn around and remember what her ultimate goal was, which is student success, right? If she's not plugged into that, what about her subordinates? Yeah. Right. And how many, we're talking, what did we say? 1200 to one ratio. How many students are we impacting negatively when we have a culture issue in the workplace and we're not doing something about it? Mm, love it. Well, you know, I'm going to ask you about the future of higher ed, but before I do, I've got to assume somebody's on you. You know what? I'd like to have Michelle come over to my institution. Am I cutting out again? Yes. Oh my God. All right. Okay. okay there we go. Eldon, there you go. You're, you're back. Eldon's in for editing wonderland here in these last couple of episodes. Um, all right, let me start again. Three, okay. two. So Michelle, um, before we get to the last question on the future of higher ed, cause you know, I'm going to ask it. Um, mm -hmm. how do we get a hold of you? If somebody's here going, you know what, Michelle, I love you. I love the work you're doing. I love the move you made. I need some outside counsel. I'd love to have you come in and train, uh, with my middle managers or top level executives. What's the path to get a hold of you? How does it work? What do we do? Well, I mean, hopefully they know that I'm accessible to them on social media where we all met, which is LinkedIn. That's where you need to be. And if you're not, you need to work on that because the mm. community is there. It is strong. It will support you and empower you. And that's the best part of what I'm seeing in higher ed right now. Um, you can you can reach out to me directly, Michelle at marqueeinc.net. We've got our website. We've got um, different spaces where I exist in social media. Um, I'm accessible. I'm here to help. Um, really excited about building a team in the future to do this work, you know, nationally. Um, so yeah, they, I hope people know that they can find me. Uh, definitely first place to look is LinkedIn. Mm, love it. And so what's the future of higher ed looking like, Michelle? You've been in these conversations as much as anybody these days. Give us what you got. I'm going to give you two things. One, I think as um, the guard changes in higher ed, which we know it is, you know, mm -hmm. retirements and exit strategies and things like that. As the guard changes, we need to accept that higher ed is going to be uncomfortable for a little bit uh, as we figure out what leadership needs to look like in the future. I, I think a useful tool for figuring that out is your book, Commencement. Mm, I think because you. it is current, it is now, it is within the past year. It's the best research that we have of what higher ed leaders are looking at, let's look to them. You know, you've collected the, these stories, these anecdotes, this information. Let's all get unified behind, like I said on LinkedIn, a common read that is going to pull us together on what the efforts should be going forward. You know, you think about Linda Battles, you know, in online universities. Mm. You think about people um, like uh, Dr. Tony Cruz from Miami-Dade, you know, Hialeah. Um, those might be different types of leaders in different institutions, university versus community college, online versus face-to-face, -face, but leadership is the same. We're trying to retain good people and serve students, right? So if we look at that, that resource, I think the future of higher ed and that discomfort we're going to experience, uh, it will be lessened because we can navigate our way through together, right? By looking at the same information. Um, the other thing is I think it looks like relinquishing the grasp on um, control of students' careers, you know, and their futures mm -hmm. and letting them help us decide what higher ed should feel like. Um, Multi-generational workplace for sure, multi-generational higher ed population of students, very diverse populations with different aspirations. I think we need to listen more. And so the future of higher ed might 
might require a little bit of a pause where we do things like more focus groups, more student interviews, more student panel discussions, uh, not so much, you know, the reverse of, you know, we do a project and we might have one student sitting at the table. No, I, I think students need to tell us what they need uh, because the workplace is changing. They're trying to keep up, but they're also trying to create opportunities for themselves that don't look like the way that we came up in the workplace, right? Yep. Uh, we might have gone through a traditional way you know, working and then advancing to leadership, getting those degrees, they might want to be business owners starting on day one. Yep. How do we help them with that? Right. They might know they're into leadership. How do we help them with that? We do that by listening. So I, I encourage higher ed leaders and practitioners to really focus more on talking less and listening more and using that student uh, voice to motivate the conversation and the direction of the institution. Mm. I love it. I love talking to you, Michelle. I could talk to you all day. You know that. And of course, you're welcome back anytime here on Ed Up. It's your home. Um, and we got to get you more more episodes. Of course, I encourage everybody as soon as you have a RS, you have your RSS feed out for your podcast yet. Uh, no, not yet. We're doing the okay. background work of making sure we have enough episodes to, you know, uh, mm -hmm. get people's appetite going. Um, but we are going to be joining, right? Uh, the Edup Experience podcast. Absolutely right. Join the network. Live well sure. with Michelle is what it was, right? Lead well. Lead well with Michelle. Yes. Yeah. Our Dr. belief Michelle. that Mark. Lead well with Dr. Michelle. I love that little ring to that. Um, it's a little ring. I like, I like the ring to that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you know her. You love her. Um, she is. <laughs> Dr. Michelle Cantu Wilson, she's creative director at Marquee Consulting. Anything else you want to say before you go, Michelle? No, just happy new year to all. So glad to be connected back to the Ed Up Experience podcast. Make sure you get the book. Mm. Please do. Um, and please make sure you're following Dr. Michelle on LinkedIn. She puts out great content. And uh, if you're going to if you're going to be uh, trained or want training in the world, of leadership in higher ed, uh, you can do no better than Dr. Michelle Kenty Wilson for more information. You know where to find her on LinkedIn. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed upped. It's time to level up. The beginning of a new era in higher education begins with you. Order your copy of Commencement. The beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert, Dr. Joseph Lucio, with contributions by Elvin Freitas. It's Higher Education's must-read book of 2022. Discover how you can seize the moment to change higher education forever. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education, now available on Amazon. For bulk orders, contact Kate, Joe, or Elvin. 